Hey everyone, my name is Josh Scroggins, a pastor of New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey everybody, welcome back. I know we had a uh, week off, but we are back in and uh, we're going to jump right back into our series. We started a series a couple weeks ago called If. Trading your if-only regrets for God's what-if possibilities. And I gave you two weeks to chew on the idea of taking your if-only statements and replacing them with what-if questions. Today, I'm going to be focusing on the if-only mindset. In this episode, we're going to really look at uh, the types of regrets, uh, the types of pain, the types of longing that we have that cause us to say, if only. And sometimes those regrets take time, right? Sometimes we make mistakes, we make bad decisions, and we regret those things years later. Uh, for instance, health decisions, right? Diet choices, things like that. In the moment, seem fine. But when we look back and we, we think, man, I should have been better. Financial decisions. You know, when, when you're retired, suddenly you're looking back at all of the decisions you made when you were younger. <clears throat> sometimes there are regrets like that that take a long time to form. And sometimes those regrets happen very quickly. Um, for instance, I read a story this, this last week about a bank teller. And this, as far as I know, a true story. And she had a, a customer come to her counter to deposit a check. Now, this was not just a normal check. This was a check for $150,000. And so the uh, the tellers kind of jokingly said, man, I wish I had one of those. And smiled at the customer. And the customer looked back at her bitterly and said, it's a life insurance check. I'd rather have my husband back. Well, in that case, the teller's regret was instant. There was no long deal. Now, I want to um, to take a look today at if only regrets, at if only longings, at if only pains. And um, what I'd like to do is just do a quick review because it's been a couple of weeks. So let's review really quickly the categories that we talked about two weeks ago. First, uh, number one is if only I had avoided bad choices. If only I had avoided bad choices. Number two, if only I made good choices sooner or more often. If only I made good choices sooner or more often. Number three, if only the world was better, right? This is something that we we certainly feel, um, you know, looking at the news right now, looking at the world, looking at the state of our world, looking at what is happening in our world. If only the world was better. And number four is, if only I was better, right? If only I was smarter, if only I was uh, uh, funnier, if only I was wiser, if only I had more popularity or uh, whatever, if only I was better. 
And number five was if only that person, fill in the blank for whoever that person is, if only that person could have the joy, hope, and peace that I have. Within each of us is a longing for these things. And essentially, our if-only statements are about past mistakes, missed opportunities, and wishing that things were better for us and others. And not all of these are regret, but each of them can affect us deeply. And in this episode, I want to answer a question that I'm sure I'm going to be hearing a lot pretty soon. Why? Because I've got a I've got a baby, three months old, and pretty soon he's going to be talking, and pretty soon he's going to be asking questions. And there's one question I think I'm going to hear a lot, and that's the question I'm going to attempt to answer today. What is the question? The question is why? In other words, what are we going, what we're going to try to do here is answer the questions, why do I feel regret? Why do I feel pain? Why do I feel the longing for a perfect life and a perfect world that is not possible? And there's actually three answers to these questions, and all three of these answers apply to all three of these questions. Each one of these answers that I'm going to share with you in this episode builds on the next answer, but all three of them are true at the same time. And what's more than just answering why, I also want to encourage you to know that these regrets, this pain, this longing that you have for a better you, a better them, a better world, even those things have a purpose. That pain, that regret, that longing, it is not for nothing. So let's uh, jump right in as we explore this topic to the answers to the question, why? A couple of years ago, Chelsea and I experienced a lot of pain and trials. Uh, Chelsea began having breathing episodes where she was hyperventilating. She had extreme tiredness to the point she barely had the strength to breathe. And this sometimes lasted for hours at a time. We had a couple close calls where she thought she was going to die. We ended up seeing eight doctors, six of whom were specialists, before we finally got an answer to what the problem was. And why am I sharing this? Well, there is there is a difference between having pain and having pain that you understand the reason for. And when you're going through trials, when you're going through pain, when you're dealing with regret, when you're dealing with um issues that cause you stress in life, it can sometimes be greatly helped by simply knowing why you're going through those things. And for us, fortunately, we did find out the answer to the problem. And it turned out it was just a simple issue of an underactive thyroid. And the, the solution was also very, very simple. She simply had to take a pill and that fixed the problem. Worst part of the whole year, though, was not just the pain, not just the problems, not just the symptoms, not just the all of that. I mean, um, that was really bad, but the not knowing why was agonizing. 
To be suffering is bad enough, but to not know why made it so much worse. Experiencing pain, regret, and longing for a better world that we can and will never see, those are bad enough, but knowing why we experience those can help us to endure, can help us to grow, can help us to learn. And so I want to give you the same light that we were given when we found out the answer to the problem. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to help you and um, whoever you might share this with to understand maybe a little bit more about the reason why we feel pain. Because there is there's something uh, about us that that just knows that this pain we feel isn't right and and we don't know why. And maybe you have asked God that. Maybe you've spent time uh, just praying and, and asking God, why is it that I feel this? Why why do I go through this? Why am I in, in such turmoil? Why am I longing for something that I know is impossible? Why do I feel this regret? So let's let's answer those questions. Why do we feel regret? Why do we feel pain? Why do we long for a perfect life and a perfect world when we know those things are impossible? Why do we have these if-only statements within us, and why do they affect us so deeply? There are, again, three reasons, and all of these three reasons are true at the same time. Here's the first reason why. Number one reason, because God's original plan was perfection. When God designed his creation, his plan was for a perfect world. That's the way that God designed this world to function. And in this perfect world, there was no death. There was no sickness. There was no suffering. There was no famine. There was no drought. There was no need. There was no lack. When God made the world, it was good. There was nothing bad in it. In fact, if you look at the first chapter of the Bible, right, this is Genesis chapter one, you're going to see that God looked at his creation and it was good. You're going to see that phrase. God looked at his creation and it was good. You're going to see that phrase not once, not twice, not three times. You're actually going to see it seven times, seven times. God looks at what he created and said, it was good. And in fact, the seventh time actually goes on to say that when God looked at it, it was very good. When God looked at all he had created, it was very good. When God created the world, it was good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't evil. There was nothing bad in it. In the Garden of Eden, which is, is kind of the, the manifestation of what we think of when we, we think of this perfect world, in, in the Garden, all of the needs were met. In the Garden, Adam and God would walk together. They would talk together. This was God's plan. It was perfection. Now, we all know how this story goes. God gave the man free will. Man used that free will to betray God. Uh, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, they brought sin into the world. And then with sin came all of the bad things that we know today. In, in other words, when, when God's plan was put into action, 
It was perfect. But here's the thing. Part of God's perfect plan was that he wanted relationship with us. Now, I want you to to just kind of think about this question. Would you agree with me if I said that it could not be a good world if slavery was a part of it? Would you agree with that? I I think you would. Well, here's the thing. If God had not given us free will, if God had not given us the ability to choose, we would have been slaves. God's perfect world would have involved slavery. But that's not who God is. God's not an immoral God. He was he was not intending for us to be slaves. No, what he was intending is to have a relationship with us. And so he gave us free will. And so in order for us to have a choice, we had to have a choice. We had to have something else that we could choose. That's why the tree was in the garden. That's why God put it there. And so Adam and Eve used the free will that God gave them to betray God and to choose something besides him. They chose to disobey God. And when they did, they introduced into the world something that was never, ever, ever, ever supposed to be a part of this world. And that thing is called sin. Sin is a cancer. It is a disease. It is a virus. And when man sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, and yes, both of them did, guys. Don't go blaming the women. Adam absolutely sinned as well. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, they brought into God's perfect world a virus, a cancer. And with that came everything bad that we know today. Death, disease, abuse, slavery, poverty, suffering, abandonment, addiction, depression. The list goes on and on and on. All of that came as a result of man sinning against God and introducing into a perfect world something that was imperfect and something that would break God's perfect plan. And then all of those things, death, disease, abuse, slavery, those are all consequences. That wasn't God's plan. That's not what he intended. I mean, think about it like this. If if uh, a parent tells their child that there is a there's a plan, right? Well, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Now, that original plan is for the good of the child, right? That It's for the good of everyone. It's a good plan. When the child decides to not go along with that plan, there are consequences. Now, those consequences were never part of the original plan. Those consequences are the side effect of choosing not to follow the plan. So why does it hurt when people sin against us? Why do we feel pain when we lose someone? Why do we long for a world without all of those horrible things I just listed earlier? Well, because all of those things are not natural. They're not natural. We often hear that death is natural, but let me just tell you, it's not. It's not. At least it it wasn't always. Death Pain, regret, loss, those things were never part of God's original plan. And deep down, all of God's creation knows this. What is sadness? It's the response to the feeling that something is wrong. Why do we experience the pain that comes from evil? 
because of the fruit that was eaten in that garden. The fruit was from a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so without humanity being tainted by that fruit, we would not feel the pain from knowing that evil is evil and that evil should be good. God's perfect plan was for perfection. Number two, why do we feel pain? Why do we feel regret? Why do we long for something that is perfect? Well, because number two, God designed us for that perfect plan. You were actually created. Mankind was actually created. We were actually designed with that perfect plan in mind. See, God did not create us for this world. He created us for that world. And deep within each of us is an understanding that this world should be better, that our lives should be better, that our choices should be better. And where does that understanding come from? It comes from the standard of perfection that we were designed to be a part of. So it hurts so much when someone we love dies, even though we know they're in a much happier place in heaven, even though we know that, that uh, we'll see them again, it still hurts. Why? Because deep down, we know that that shouldn't have happened. It's why we feel so strongly about evils happening in this world, even when we're not personally affected by them. We were designed as inhabitants of a perfect world world, but this world has been broken. We were designed and, and, and created specifically to live in a world that was perfect. And so by living in a broken world, we feel pain. We feel regret. We feel sorrow. We feel longing for the world to be as it should be. We were designed in a way that we know how the world should be. It's, it's, it's why part of us is always longing for perfection and is constantly disappointed by the effects of sin on this world. Because we were, in fact, created after the very image of God. Genesis 1.27 says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. We were designed with holiness, perfection, and communion with one another and with God as a part of our nature. When anything conflicts with those things, we feel it deeply. When we sin, we feel shame and regret because we were designed to long for holiness. Do you ever look at yourself and think, and I know I could be better than I am right now. How do you know that? How do you know you're not exactly as good as you could possibly be? Because you were made to be perfect. You were made to be perfect. And so deep down, you know you're not. And so deep down, there is, there is this thing within you that knows you could be better. Because no matter how good you are, you are not perfect, and you could always be better. We were actually made with God in mind. So when we do something that damages our relationship with God, we feel it deeply. 
Now, of course, there are people who have done things so long that they become numb to that feeling, but even they felt it at first. So what am I saying? I'm saying that regret and pain are the result that we get whenever something goes against what we know is supposed to be true. This world is supposed to be without death. So when death happens, we feel pain. This world is supposed to be without sin. So when we hear about human rights abuses in China, for instance, we feel sorry and longing for it to be corrected. Human beings are designed to be holy. So when someone betrays our trust, we feel pain. When we do or say something that causes someone else pain, we feel regret. And this isn't some biological function of evolution. This is a result of a world that was designed with a certain standard that we know as good. One of the things that often gets tossed around in our world is this, is this question. If God really existed, if God really exists, why is there so much evil in the world? And one of the things I, I answer to that question right away is, if there is no God, how do you know what evil is? If, if good and evil is just determined by the society that you live in, then how can you say what one society says is okay? How can you say that's evil? For instance, I would imagine that, that most of us, if not all of us, hopefully all of us, would agree that slavery was wrong back in the day. It's wrong today. It was wrong yesterday. It was wrong 100 years ago. It was wrong 1,000 years ago. I think we would all agree with that statement. And yet, in those times, in those places, there are places that believe it's not evil. So how do we know what is good and what is evil if there's not already a righteous standard in place? If there is no God, if good and evil is only defined by society or culture or biology, whatever it is, then evil doesn't really exist. Good doesn't really exist. The only way the word evil even makes sense is if somewhere out there, there is an objective standard of good. And without God's righteous standard, we could not even define what good means. Here's, here's what it says in Leviticus 11.44. It says, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy because I am holy. You were created by God to be holy. You were created to live holy, to think holy, to be holy just as God is holy. You were designed to be perfect. You were designed to be a perfect man or a perfect woman living in a perfect world. And so anything that you do, anything that you see, anything that you experience that falls short of that perfection, of that holiness, will bring with it an if-only statement. It will bring with it regret and pain and shame and longing for something more. If only. And then here is the third and final answer to the question, why is it that we experience all of these? Well, remember, number one, God's original plan was for a perfect world. But we don't live in a perfect world anymore. 
The number two reason is because we were designed, you were designed, I was designed to live in that. We were designed for that plan. We were created with that plan in mind. And then here's the last answer to the question, because our real home is perfect. Last reason that we feel regret, pain, and longing for a perfect world that is not real is that our real and final home is perfect. Our real home, heaven, is perfect. Heaven is the manifestation of God's perfect plan. And in that place, there is no pain. There's no tears of sadness. There's no death, no regret, nothing bad at all, and nothing but good. And we were made for heaven. That is our real home, and we long for it. And the longer we are in this wicked, broken, sinful world, the longer we are here, the more we long to be home, the more we long for heaven. We are affected by the brokenness of this world because we are comparing it to heaven, even if we don't know that's what we're doing. I mean, how many times do people look at world events, human rights abuses, slavery, human trafficking, gun violence, drug abuse, and say, it should be better than this? Now, what makes us so sure that things should be better instead of thinking that this is the way things should be? To say that something should be better is to say there is a better for it to be. In other words, to say this should be better is to say there is a standard that it's not living up to. When we look and say things should be better than this, we already have in our mind a picture of what that looks like. People should be getting along. They shouldn't be judging people based on the color of their skin. They should be treating human beings with dignity and respect. There should not be abuse of, of drugs and and alcohol and and gun violence. There shouldn't be hatred towards one another. These things should not be. Instead, we should love one another. We should treat each other well. We should uphold one another. We should help one another. We know that instinctively because our real home is where those things are true. For instance, I, uh, as, as an American, if I were to go to a third world country, I may go into a town, look around and think this is terrible. The living conditions are horrible. People are having a hard time surviving here. I might look around and see that and then be told by someone right next to me, what are you talking about? This is the good part of town. We live gray here. Now, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that I'm from a place that's better. I'm from a place where I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat every single night. I don't have to worry about how I'm going to feed my family. I don't have to worry about a roof over my head. And so when I go to a place that thinks it's okay to have a a much lower standard of living, and then I'm going and not not seeing that, and, and, and to me, maybe it looks like things should be better. Well, the reason I feel that way is because I'm comparing it to my real home. And when we look in this world and we see pain and we see suffering and death and sickness and, 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 and famines and disease and uh, uh, man fighting against man, we see these wars and we see uh, regret and all of these things and, and betrayal and addictions and depression. When we see all of that and we think it should be better, 
The reason we feel like that is because we're comparing it to our real home, which is heaven. And compared to heaven, it should be better here. So that's the why. That's why we feel pain, regret, and longing for a better world. And we feel these things because things in this world, the sins in our lives, the shortcomings of others, all of those things are in conflict with what we know should be. And that conflict causes us to feel if-only statements deep within us. And I want to be clear, it's not wrong to feel those statements, those things. It's not wrong to feel those. It's not wrong or sinful to feel regret. It's not sinful to feel shame. In fact, it's it's not sinful to wish the world was better. There's actually times in the Bible where God himself is said to feel regret. Now, it's interesting. God himself feels regret and pain, and the Bible talks about it. One of those happens right before the flood, where it says that God was sorry that he ever made mankind. He had a he had a regret. Now I wanna I wanna be clear on something. I want to make sure that we understand the the proper interpretation of this. It doesn't mean that God thought he made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Right? God God already knew what people were gonna do before he ever made them. And so if if in that moment God really wished that he had not made them, he would have not made them. He would have he would have undone it all. That's not what he did. So what was it talking about? It was explaining, the Bible was explaining in that verse, the feeling that God felt. Not necessarily the desire that God had, but the feeling that he felt. And that feeling comes from conflict. It doesn't necessarily mean God made a mistake. It's it's just that that feeling of regret, that feeling of sorrow, that feeling of longing for things to be better, that is naturally what happens when there is a conflict between what is and what should be. And that conflict in that particular case, and in in our cases often, was caused by sin in this world. So now we have a better understanding of why we have these feelings, but there is one more question we need to answer. What do we do with these feelings? Here's, here's what we do. Number one, we listen to them with the realization that oftentimes God uses these if-only feelings, this if-only longing, these if-only regrets to speak to us and get our attention. Often God uses these feelings of regret and shame and pain even to get our attention. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying God causes those feelings, right? God made a perfect world. These feelings come as a result of humanity's choice to sin and the resulting brokenness that followed, right? So the pain that we deal with, God doesn't cause it. The pain that we're dealing with is the result, the consequence of our own choices. However, just because God did not cause it, that doesn't mean God can't use it. He does not cause regret and shame and pain. But he does often use those things to focus our attention. Now, you might be asking, okay, focus my attention on what? Well, to focus our attention on him. 
on our sin that needs to be repented of, on what we could do to mend relationships that we've broken, on maybe our purpose or our calling, or on the what-if possibilities that he still has in store for us. So if you've got an if-only regret in your life right now, I would encourage you to listen to it. But listen to it with fresh ears. Instead of allowing yourself to wallow on it or wallow in it, instead of allowing yourself to be consumed with the regret, ask this question instead. Is God trying to speak to me through this? Is the regret that I'm feeling, is the pain that I'm feeling, is the longing that I'm feeling, is this maybe something that God is trying to point me to, to show me that I have sin in my life, that I have a regret or a shame I've been carrying around, that maybe I have a longing for something to be corrected in this world that I can actually do something about? What if God was trying to point your focus in the direction of those things so that you could do something about it? so that he could prompt you to action. What if the breathing problem that Chelsea had was actually what we needed in order to find out there was an underlying problem that we didn't know had been there for years? What if the sickness that you had was God's way of getting you atten- your attention and getting you to stop and focus on him? What if that feeling of pain that you have seeing a need not being met is something that God actually can use to point you to a need that you can meet. What if? Maybe it's time to look at regret and pain and longing differently. What if God can use those things to focus us on him? I hope that this has helped to answer the question, why? But more than that, I hope that this has encouraged you to reevaluate your if-only statements and instead see if maybe God is using those if-only statements to point you in the direction of a what-if possibility. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.